0: Calvert from Career Goals, and I'm going to be taking you into the fast track for a career in civil engineering but working for a city government with our guest today, Simone Jurgis, who is the director of the Community Development Department in the city of Newport Beach. So, let me give you an idea of what that means. So, that title is reflective of his role in being in charge of the department that regulates all of the private property in. Newport Beach, it could be in any city. So, the community development department is the people who you submit your plans to if you are building a house, if you are building a shopping mall, if you are putting in a new office complex, and you need to get these plans submitted and approved. So, really, the work is of that department is in approving projects and in what's called entitlement, which means basically that a project is approved for a specific use. You know, like, okay, you could put this shopping mall here and it's a commercial shopping mall. It's not a medical building and it's not a gas station and it's not a hospital, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty big job. I mean, it's a really big job actually. And when he was talking about it, he has over, you know, 70 people working in this department. It's a pretty big deal. So I want to give you an idea in this conversation of kind of, i going to stratify it a little bit for you in the ways that you could get involved in a department like this. So one of the ways that was really surprising to me that I hadn't considered, I um, have a. I think a lot of people think about real estate development. And I think that's a super fascinating field. It's all of a sudden you're you see a hotel go up. But where Simone will get involved in that is on the city side and the approval side. So there's a lot of give and take in this. And I'm going to lead with this idea of real estate development and where that fits. Uh, in case you're interested in being a real estate developer, listen to what Simone has to say about the skills that come from his background in playing into real estate development.
1: A real estate company would Um, buy the land Mm -hmm. and get the approvals from the city to build the project that the land was designed for.
0: And you would also build under your umbrella would be the contractors and all that too.
1: So typically you can go one or two ways. The developer can actually build the project or the developer says, I got the approvals from the city. I'm going to have somebody else build the project. So in in our particular case, I had a a business partner, found a business partner. We teamed up to do it. Well, we're going to do everything.
0: Right. So he's talking about there. He actually had a real estate development firm prior to to this position. So he has a pretty extensive knowledge about all of this space, and this is how you can build on this career. So here's a little bit more on the real estate development side.
1: I think it is um, incredibly valuable, uh, that that whole knowledge base of Engineering side and then working in the public sector and understanding planning, zoning, entitlement, um, environmental reviews. You know, all that ties into real estate development. Real estate development is most, probably the most highly regulated type of industry to be in. Everything you do for a real estate project is regulated. Right. You know, with some type of agency, either it's the city agency or the state agency. There's an agency that's going to regulate you. And so understanding what those regulations are is going to be really valuable.
0: This is super helpful. Yeah, it is. Cuz I think I think as a layperson that we're under the impression that real estate development is just like Oh, it's just for these people who have like tons of cash and they just go out and buy buildings and or buy land and like you know put up a building. And, and that's you know, rare. I think right? that's
1: that's that's I, more rare than people realize. I,
0: that's what I think. You know, it, now is, that you're talking about it, it, I'm is, like, oh, this is not at all. What that's that not that the is. No,
1: that's not the normal process. It's it really isn't. It is probably the one. Real estate development is probably the most highly regulated type of industry to be in. Understanding planning is by far one of the most important things you can do to be ready to get into the development world the development industry.
0: Okay, so that's really cool because you th- he's talking about it from the real estate development side and then the other side of that is the city side. So you these are kind of this is the interplay. So you'll have, you know, these real estate development firms which essentially can be built up of a lot of Um, Consultant level people, there are engineers in there, there are architects in there, there are soil engineers in there, there are attorneys in there, um, and these real estate development firms. And then they, in turn, work with the city, obviously, to get these projects approved and then move forward. So I hadn't really thought about this, you know, community development. Really think about those words community development. We're developing communities. And so that requires a lot of teamwork and communication. And Simone spent a lot of time talking about his role as a communicator in this job that he has now as a director. He really is a frontline person. So we might think if you're not in a government job, you might think, oh, well, it's a you know government job and it's, I don't know what you would think. Would you think it's fluff or you know that it's easy or it's, I don't know, regulated by certain hours, but that has certainly not been his experience. Here he is.
1: Government officials have some stereotypes and you know they they think that we don't do a whole lot, but it's kind of the opposite. I think this is probably the hardest job I've ever had in my entire career.
0: Right. So hardest job from what aspect? And we talked about what it takes really to be. He's a CEO. Essentially, that's in his level of maintaining this entire department, which is huge. And the numbers that are involved in terms of dollar amounts that flow through the city for all these approvals and permits is... A, a lot, billion plus dollars a year. So this is a lot. So what does it take to do that kind of work?
1: People don't think like that. They don't think like, okay, I got this kind of grunt level position and they don't look at 10, 15, 20 years that, you know, I'm going to be in management here and how do I get prepared to be kind of that the leader? Yeah. How, do, how do I get build up leadership skills to right. be a leader of an organization?
0: Right. So how do you there's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of ways, but it's curious that Simone started as a civil engineer, we'll get into his background, I'll give you kind of a whole rundown on ways that you can get into the city side. It's there's so much work involved in cities, you think about it, just like private business, you have to have the regulation side to, you know, to go along with that. So um, just in terms of his day to day work now, this is what it looks like.
1: Nowadays, it's like, I don't do any math. For me, my, my day-to-day is writing. My day-to-day is communicating, speaking to people. Managing? Um, managing all the time. Okay. All the time. Yeah. and And trying to find new talent,
0: Right, so, how do you go about finding that new talent? See, this is really cool, I think, in so many ways, because you start out as an engineer, as you know Simone did in college, civil engineer background, you know then goes on and gets a couple of first jobs that we'll talk about, but then you end up being a really high level leader. So if you're going to be getting new talent, what does that talent need to look like in a city agency?
1: for a city agency to attract new hires to attract new people it's gotten harder and harder and harder and we do everything we can to find those special people out there to to hire them. And so we I've interviewed maybe, I don't know how many in my career, you know, probably hundreds in my career. It's interesting there's a lot of people that don't know how to do an, a job interview. You know, what you need to do is when when I'm asking you to tell me about yourself, I'm asking you to talk I want you to explain and talk and tell me. Tell me the story about you, just like you're doing with me today, you know, trying to go back in my background. That's the whole idea of the interview. I just want to know more more about you. I don't have any predisposition on you as an individual. I don't know anything about you. I could read your resume, but I'll fall asleep if I read your resume. Right. You know, I want you to talk.
0: Right. And along with that, here's another little tip for interviewing with the director level person.
1: Yeah. You've already been vetted. Now you're at the high level of getting an interview with a director you know, can you talk? Can you present yourself well? Can you sit up straight and look at me in the eye and answer your que- answer the questions that, I, that I'm that i asking of you? And again, it, I'm asking just general questions. And you're softball. Tell me about you, yeah. right? Because the more they talk, the more things will start coming out, then I could probe a little bit deeper and deeper. It's like, oh, okay, well, to tell me about those board meetings that you attended and how do you prepare for those board meetings? You know, what what is your role in those board meetings, right? I want to know that you've been through the thick and thin of, of dealing with a lot of pressure all at once, you know oh yeah, are you are you an organized individual? Um, are you somebody who melts down in a time of crisis, or are you somebody that's going to rise to the occasion? Those are some of the things that i 'm looking for for an individual
0: okay, so now you 're getting a sense for simone 's work as a CEO and as we 're going through this conversation, think about that as a CEO, especially if you 're starting. As a civil engineer, which which he did in college, and then you get you know your first couple jobs, you, you can reflect and think on down the line that there are other skills that you are going to potentially need to develop if you want to continue to move up or if you want to move along in your career in different ways. For instance, going from a you know private company perhaps to a city government or working in real estate development where you're going to need to interact with city agencies and have not only these skills in communicating, but also these connections and these this network of people because that's what makes you more valuable. So then really what I wanted to know because I am completely unknowledgeable in this field of engineering is... What is engineering? I think I didn't even know what this word meant when I was a kid. And that's really sad because I have a a very good friend whose dad owned his own engineering company. I couldn't even tell you what kind of engineering company it was because that's how uninformed I was. So despite being quite gifted at math myself, this is just not an area that I ever had any real exposure to. So I want to make sure that those of you who are listening and thinking – you know, I'm a I'm a math person, I'm a science person or I love numbers and I like f- figuring out how things work or how is that built or why doesn't that building fall over. This is a really really cool field and there's so many opportunities beyond just sitting at your cubicle and, you know, doing doing the calculations if if you want to look beyond that. So, what is engineering?
1: So electrical is anybody who's going to make, who's going to actually design a computer or electrical board or that radio system, the electronics behind it. Okay. That's really the electrical engineering side of it. And there's a huge demand for those, those professions. I'm sure. Um, especially in the aerospace, engineer, uh, aerospace in- industry. Mechanical engineers are people who d- would end up designing maybe an engine or a car. Uh, or- biomedical? Biomedical, anything that's of a mechanical nature. Okay. I always say maybe maybe small in nature, but even though you know airplanes are kind of in that realm too. So anything that deals with hydraulics or fluids um, or heat, like an air conditioning oh, system. Oh,
0: thermodynamics.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting. That's okay. all. That's all the mechanical side of things. All right. Civil engineering is pretty broad too. It deals with. Actually, the movement of dirt back and forth on land, um, rivers, dams, um, anything that's of infrastructure, anything that's a vertical bridges, bridges, a house, you know,
0: towers, uh, all, the, the Burj Khalifa,
1: right? Yeah, all all that is okay. more on the civil engineering side. Very cool. Um, and there is, you know, it's all based on physics, but the specialty is understanding, uh, like for uh, the structural towers, you know, how do they react? How does a tower react in wind?
0: Which how is do, a lot of wind up there.
1: Yeah, and how does it react in an earthquake? And and how how much loading can the building support? And then what if you do if you put all these loads at once? Well, how does the building react? And so that's what all that engineering process is.
0: So that gives you an idea of like where this where engineering really falls. I mean, what do you even do if you're an engineer? So if you are like Simone and you go and you get a civil engineering degree, are you going to college for this? What types of classes are you going to study what's really involved there
1: oh my gosh you take a huge amount of math classes it's it's the the fancy math um, um all
0: the uh like well we did derivatives and stuff like that it's not yeah like it's
1: that. beyond that it's yeah. beyond the calculus and the derivatives and you start going into kind of more higher complex type of math um kind of it's engineering related math but it was it gets really complex and it's stuff like that i don't even use today Interesting. You know, yeah. You, know, you may use it if you're in electrical engineering because it all relates to waveforms mm-hmm. um and signals and all that. So and, and that's not something that civil engineers use at all. Um other other classes is um you know, materials. You know, how do materials oh, react right. during stress? Yeah. Um, and why does steel um you know, does, is steel, uh, do they yield? Does it bend? How much does it bend? Does it deflect? Completely. Yeah. Does Porous,
0: it, is it Yeah. Is yeah, it all that. And, it...
1: and, and we took a lot of classes on just rocks and soil because when you build a house on, in, on the dirt, you've got to build it on, on, a, on, a, on a soil system that is stable enough to support a house. And what happens to the soil during an earthquake?
0: Yeah, totally right. So, it, yeah. so all those all, changed, cl- yeah. all
1: those classes that we have to do, and there's a lot of labs that go with it. You know, you gotta do a lot of testing and
0: so when he's talking about building a house on whatever surface, that whatever soil that you have to test all that, then I was so curious about these houses that would be perched on the hill and you know, at the rains come and you think that house is going down like that's going right into that canyon and i want to know like is this is that a civil engineer who's the one who even says you know does all the calculations and confirms that that house is not in fact going to go into the ocean or into a canyon so listen to him talking about that and then how he relates it to the work with the city it's a combination
1: of everything it's a combination of a civil engineer okay and a combination of a geotechnical engineer and there's another engineer a geological engineer and so they're all different
0: from a geologist
1: uh, so a geologist is different than a geotech than a, a ge- geological engineer, engineer, okay? Right, and they all have an engineering background, but they have special specialized um, fields. Somebody who's the, kind of a specialist on deep soil, and the other one's on subsurface soil. Um, so all those people are involved in analyzing whether that hillside is stable or not. Um, and believe it or not, all that all that analysis needs to get submitted to the city.
0: Right. So that's really cool. I thought when he was saying that. I just I'm sure if you're an engineer listening to this you're just like, you know, are you kidding me like why didn't you think of that because it seems so obvious. But it's it's not to those of us who have not been in this field and if you're, you know, younger, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17 and by a good stroke of luck you're able to listen to this full interview, please go listen to the full interview because there's so much more great information in there and how you can, you know, plan out your career. But if you're listening to this, there are just all these jobs. And so I think even if you're like, oh, I want to be an engineer because I like, you know, to kind of I, I could figure out how to build a house or whatnot. But even just when he's talking about, you know, the, the classes that they take and rocks and the interaction with other engineers, I think is something that would be really fascinating for someone who likes this kind of uh, work you know, how are things built or, you know, how does this material withstand heat or wind or, you know, whatever it's going to be up against and working with other engineers and other experts, I would think someone, because these are smart people, like I can just say it, like these are people who are just to do the level of math that he's talking about. You have to have some facility with these, you know, with a big brain, you got to just got to be able to use your brain. So you're going to love that ability to interact with other smart people in their field. So I, I think this whole, this whole topic, and then looking at it in terms of, do you want to work, you know, on the city side? Or do you want to work on the private side? There's just a lot of ways that you could delve out a career, not to mention just having this really robust degree is awesome. I mean, just completely awesome. So what for Simone, what was he thinking about when he was a kid, you know, 15, 16? What did do you think he was going to be doing?
1: Believe it or not, my, what I wanted to be was a pilot. So in high school, I got my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. The more I kind of moved up, the more I didn't like the business aspect of it. By the time I was 18, 19, I was, I was starting to lose interest. And so I, I finally made a decision as far as what my career was going to be was not to go into the airlines, not to be a pilot.
0: I thought that was cool too when he's talking about that because he's just had a real interest in planes. He described himself as a plane geek, which I, I thought was like super interesting because of course, you know, if you like math and science, it might make sense that you would want to figure out how does a plane fly and could I be, you know, could I go up in one of those? And don't forget, he talks about even just in aerospace and aeronautical engineers, so many ways to apply your love of anything, you know, machines, buildings, materials, how this stuff works. So, um, what I thought was really helpful about that, though, too, is that he said he just went and got a pilot's license. So I think when you're younger, if there are things that are interesting to you, it's a great opportunity, as Simone did, just to go and try it and do it and then talk to people who are doing that. And he decided, for whatever reason, you can re- listen to the interview to get his backstory, but not to pursue that. So what about physics? Because he loved physics and started pursuing that in college. Here's his take on that.
1: And then so I'm sitting in the kind of these study labs and doing my homework, and some of the kind of graduating seniors in physics um, were studying there too. And I was talking to them. I'm like, "Oh, so you got a job, right? You're going to graduate." He goes, "Nah, you can't really get a job. You know, with an undergrad, you got to go get a graduate degree." And I was like, "Oh, I go. Then you're going to get a job?" And they're like, "No, you're probably going to get back and get a PhD." And I was like. No, no, I am not doing this. I'm not going to spend nine years in my life to get a PhD to go try and find a job. And that that for me it bugged me.
0: I thought that was interesting too. And this is a know yourself point that he makes in this interview is, you know, he he was very focused on getting a career and getting a job that would support him. You know, he wanted to be working. And so, if you pursue something like engineering, which is technical and difficult and it's it's not going to be an easy degree to get but then once you have that you will likely be able to to get a a functional job like a job in industry pretty much immediately with those skills so that would take you there one of the things that he also brought up with was really the personality that he i i interpreted this as a personality for how he continued to make opportunities for himself as an engineer. Here's that.
1: And for me, that's been probably the most important thing is to take those little risks, to raise your hand, to volunteer, and to kind of get the experience that you won't get from just going to school.
0: Yeah, so you have your first job, which we'll now go into. you know What do you do as a, as a you know, first-year engineer or second-year engineer? And then how do you build on that over time to end up being in, in one of these really exceptional leadership positions in government as the director of a very large uh, department? So here, Simone, will give you an idea of what it's like to have your first engineering job.
1: This firm, believe it or not, um, they're consultants to cities. Right, Cities hire a lot of consulting firms to help them design the road, to help them move oh, yeah. everything. Right. Right? They don't have all the expertise. They don't have all the knowledge base they or can't. the resources. Yeah. You've got to farm out. You've got to contract out everything. Or not everything, but most things. So this f- um, firm's focus was assisting and helping and being the consultant to multiple different local agencies. So what I got hired in is I got hired as a building plan checker. So that means I'm the guy who's going to learn the building code and look at the set of plans like you're trying to figure out totally. too,
0: and I don't know the building code.
1: Yeah, and, and look at the plans <laughs> and the calculations and say, does this meet the code that's in that's been adopted by that agency by that by that city? Then a little bit more complex stuff. You know, if you build a restaurant, how many exits does that restaurant need? Where are the exit signs going to be placed? Um, nowadays, you have a lot of ADA standards. It, yep. And you got to meet rest compliance, rooms, the restrooms, yeah, rooms, for sure. The emergency compl- exits, right, everything, right? Interesting. Uh, um, same thing. Is it fire sprinkler? Is there a fire alarm system? So all those start to play into the design of the building. So you have the architectural stuff, which is the the exiting, the stairway width, the handrail height, and then you have the structural side of it. Is was that the structure designed according to code? And so both of those things you're doing in this job, in that job. In that job, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So eventually after you start learning the basics, you just get more and more advanced and in getting involved with bigger projects.
0: Right. That's really cool. So that was his first job, which by the way he got just by he had a business card which someone had supplied to him after it had been given to a couple other people and he ended up calling this man who ended up hiring him for, for this first job. And then listen to how he relates that work to the work at the city, which this is one of the, this is a great example for how your jobs and your work keeps building on itself to create something awesome in the end, you know, and there you are sitting this great, you know, director job, but all that is Little, 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 and then, you know, culminates into something big. So, listen to how he ties that first job into city work.
1: So, after the Northridge earthquake, that was a big earthquake for everybody here in, in LA County. They realized that codes were inadequate. And so, they had to go back and rewrite the codes and make some um, additional tweaks. And so, all that eventually gets passed down to city staff, and city staff needs to learn all this stuff. And that's what I did. I of was. The new code. Right. right. Of, the, of The updates to the new code. You got to figure out all the, the changes to the code.
0: Right, and that's cool. So he's saying even working as an engineer, you're working with the code on either side, whether you're with the government or um, in private industry, because you're going to be doing that for the private industry company that you're working for, you know, you know, whether you're doing a shopping mall or house or whatever it is. And then on the city side, they have people who um, engineers basically who check all those calculations when plans are submitted into the city. So it's um just cool. There's just a lot of oppor- opportunity in this. So transitioning into jobs at the city. If you're an engineer and you want to look at, oh, what could I do? What What's possible for me to do in the city? Here, I'm going to give you a sense of how the city government is set up with engineers and this uh, community development department?
1: So in the department, we have about 70 employees, and the two primary divisions are planning and um, building. So building is more the engineer side, okay. and that's where you have the engineers reviewing all the math and calculations. But on the planning side, those are the ones that are looking at the environmental aspects, looking at the height and the zoning aspects of a, of a property or for development. Um, I just hired an individual, a new planner, to come on board. Their undergrad was English. And, what? and now they're working on the graduate in urban planning. And okay. F- for me, okay. that's like... That's, that's the blend.
0: Per- that's awesome. Yeah,
1: that's perfect.
0: How cool is that, right? So I was like, you heard me on this <laughs> this recording. I was shocked because I I just figured he had nothing but engineers working for him. And they were all... Because I I mean, I have looked at plans like this and it is like looking at Greek. So I figured that the only real application for... You know, using being able to review these plans is in an engineering setting. But no, as you as you just heard there, there's also opportunities um, for people who might not have a, a strict engineering background, and they understand more on the planning side. And then this obviously English. Why English? Well, as you. Come to understand from talking to Simone for a little while is a lot, a lot of the work that they do is in presentations and preparations for the public, for the city council, for, you know, other agencies, the people who need to know if they have a permit that can't be approved. It's I think we called it a discretionary permit. That needs to be submitted for approval, and the what's involved in these approvals? These are long staff reports that they then have to turn into a presentation, really, in a way that that people will understand. And even the staff reports themselves have to be written in language that someone like me, for instance, a layperson, would be able to understand. So listen to him talking about, you know, beyond the your ability to you know, do all the calculations as an engineer, what else might you get involved with either as an engineer or on the planning side?
1: And I, I cannot tell you how many hundreds of PowerPoints that we do each year and how important it is to actually do that. No, the skill. Yeah, you have to know how to do a power, put a PowerPoint together. Luckily, my kids, you know, they're actually doing slideshows yeah, you know, on like Google Slides natives. or something. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're figuring that out now. But um, today, what we do, because you have to communicate um, a subject matter to your commissions or boards or councils. So we do that through not just the staff report that we write, but we do it through the PowerPoints. And we have to do this visual demonstration, a visual yep. presentation, so people can understand what the subject of the staff report was. So fortunately, I, I kind of taught myself over the years how to do a PowerPoint. But today, it's, it, you have to know how to use a PowerPoint.
0: Okay. There you go. Forewarned on that. I thought that was... I just wouldn't have even thought of that. I mean, I think everyone knows PowerPoint now if you're coming out of school, which is great for you, but just to give a sense of how much you... How valuable that is. And then moving on, what about writing?
1: I've always been that math and science individual, right? I, I'm bad at writing. And interesting enough, I find my, most of my time now I spend writing. We work with the public, the press also, the city council. So we have to write in this very simplistic form. So we're constantly writing, rewriting, reviewing, rewriting to to not to say double it down, but No, but does so- that
0: make sense? Can can someone understand right, that from how right. I'm writing this? And we always yeah, say, I totally you know, get that.
1: Think about who think about your mother reading this. You can think
0: about me. And, you can use me yeah. in the next reading. <laughs> and, think and, about dinging ding-dong Chris over yeah, there. And, and, to and, is, is, and, is, and is
1: anybody gonna read this g- can understand the subject matter, or do you have to sit down and explain to them what the subject matter is, right? right. If you have to explain to them then it's not working then you got to rewrite it and hence we constantly be writing and so we write a ton of reports um, and we have to because we have to submit it to the city council or the planning commission or any other commissions or boards um, so the, hence that's why i go back to the writing i wish i took a i took more writing classes
0: right that was cool too just to even think about so as you're if you're if you're an engineer if you're pursuing that or you really love math I think what's evident from this conversation to work in either, you know, city government in, you know, on the planning side or the building side or real estate development and all these ancillary companies that then, you know, interact with the city, you're just going to have to be more of a frontline person unless you're going to be, you know, only in the office and not doing, not making these connections and making these contacts and that kind of thing. So. You just kind of have to think about who you are. And if you do want to move on to more higher level uh, development projects, you become more valuable by knowing the code really well. So you could be valuable in that way if you didn't want to become more frontline. But if you do want to become more frontline, then you can get into um, even more of a sales function too. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity I would think as you build onto your skills. So, be just very mindful of what Simone said earlier when he was talking about, you know, raising his hand for everything, you know, taking on additional risks, things with, that he wasn't comfortable with. And all these have paid off into a really successful career trajectory. So uh, just keep in mind, you're always growing and becoming better. And there might be things that you need to take on uh, to be able to do the things that you want to do. So who is successful in city government? What kind of people do well in, in working for the city.
1: Sometimes the assignment was to go to the city and assist the city with, with working with the public. And so that that's something I haven't covered is the amount of public interaction I have. Yeah,
0: you've got to be a you have to be a frontline person. Yes,
1: exactly. That's you have really to be important. You have to be able to work with the public and t- present, yourself, present yourself, present
0: the whatever, you know, you're like you said, your PowerPoints, that kind of stuff, but be in front of people, be communicating yeah, constantly. It's, it's, you're not gonna be successful without that. No, Would you say that that's true across like even your staff working for a city government?
1: Oh, for 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 the government, hundred percent. Yeah, okay, hundred percent. This is really important you're not going to you're not going to hide in, in, behind an office mm-hmm. uh, or behind a desk and think you you get, you can avoid the public interaction.
0: Okay,
1: no way. You, we we are it's a public agency, it's a regulatory agency, but our primary focus is customer service. Right. We have to provide a high level of customer service. That's really really important.
0: So this was really surprising to me because I hadn't really sat and thought about it. What would be involved if someone were working in a city agency. So this is all part of it. And I'm going to close with what is really essential for someone working in a city agency and particularly in this agency of the Community Development Department.
1: So for me, I want to know that this individual is happy to work with the public, right? We're a public agency, that's right? important, yeah. You know, if you are an individual that's been hiding behind their desk, desk for the last 15 years, that's probably not an individual I, I, I want to hire. I don't think it's the right fit for, our, fit for our organization. So I need to know that you want to engage. You want to help. You want to serve the public. And it truly is. It's a service-oriented business.
0: So there you have it. I'm just going to close with a couple defining points. We talked so much in this interview about the importance of writing the importance of communicating the importance of interacting with the public but also with you know with people with anyone across your coworkers all that kind of stuff so who do you have to be again we always talk about that on this podcast who do you have to be to be successful in this arena and those are elements that are going to be essential yes you're going to have the the math background and the engineering background to support your your career, obviously, if you're going to be on the building side, you're going to be checking those things. But then if you can supplement your yourself with these excellent skills, you probably will have great success in not only this arena, in working in the in city government, but also being able to communicate with other people in ways that make sense to them and so much of of what happens for people who are experts is they are called upon to give that expertise to other people. So again, this is Chris Calvert from Career Goals. I want to thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to check out all the links that I'm going to attach to this episode here from the full interview, as well as this fast track on civil engineering, urban planning, maybe another podcast related to civil engineering, all kinds of stuff. So if you've enjoyed this, please do that. Listen to the full interview. Also want to just remind you that we are so appreciative of any reviews or any ratings that you can give if you're enjoying this pod, if you're enjoying this podcast please pass it along to a friend send it along to a pal and help them out thanks again for listening and we will see you next time